the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Our gospel reading for today has Jesus being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. So it's good for us to recall that immediately before today's gospel reading, as it, as it starts off, that he was led out of the Jordan. So it's referring to Jesus being baptized at the Jordan. We can remember how at his baptism, heaven opened, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven came, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And at that, Jesus was publicly revealed to be the son of God, the savior of the world. And then, as the text says, he was immediately led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. Why? Why the temptation? Now, it wasn't like Jesus just happened to be in the wilderness, and while he was there, he ran into the devil and had a showdown, as if Jesus accidentally found himself in the devil went down to Georgia without a fiddle. No, the Holy Spirit intended for this temptation to occur. That was the point of him even being in the wilderness. Jesus had to overcome the devil's temptations because Jesus was fulfilling all that we cannot do. He's keeping the law and being perfectly righteous for us so that he could give all of his righteousness to us on his cross. So Luther referred to this as the sweet swap or the great exchange. On the cross, Jesus would take the blame for our failures in the face of the devil's temptation. So he would take that blame upon himself. And in exchange, you are credited with his overcoming the devil's temptations. So in order to be our perfect substitute, Jesus had to be tempted just like us and yet not sin. And that's why the temptation, that he would intentionally go under the same temptation that we face. But what is it that the devil is tempting Jesus to do? We can consider his first temptation. If you are the Son of God, turn this stone into bread. Now what was the real temptation there? Well, Jesus had fasted for 40 days, so one would think that food would be pretty enticing for him. It makes sense for the devil to start with his belly. But what was the temptation? Was it simply, I dare you to turn a rock into a biscuit? Why would that be temptation? Remember, the whole point of Jesus being tempted was that he would be tempted toward sin just like us, and succeed where we fail, so that his victory would be credited to us. And so for it to be a true temptation that actually benefits you and me, it had to be a temptation toward sin. So why was making some bread out of a rock sinful? Since when is eating sinful? Which commandment would that break? None. Eating is not sinful. Some might say that the problem is that the devil has tempted Jesus to use his power to make bread by extraordinary means. 
But Jesus used power to make bread to feed the massive crowds and the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 3,000. And he used extraordinary means to turn water into wine. He's made stuff by extraordinary means elsewhere. And that was okay. Since when is turning a rock into a sandwich sinful? Is that the 11th commandment? No coveting, no making food out of rocks. Which commandment would it break? None. So why is this a temptation? Now we misuse that word temptation because we refer to food as being tempted for us all the time, uh, tempting for us. So like you're trying to be healthy and you walk past like a donut shop and you are tempted. But it's not like if you went in there and ate the donut, you would be sinning. So we kind of, we mess up the, the, the meaning of temptation being towards sin in our own minds. But it's helpful to keep in mind here that temptation toward Jesus wasn't just to get him to do something that he didn't want to do. That's how we wrongly use that word maybe. But for Jesus, it's temptation towards sin. And I would argue that the real temptation brought by Satan wasn't about hunger, but it was using hunger to get to a deeper temptation, the real temptation. At the root of all the temptations brought by the devil was the goal for Jesus to doubt God's word and to choose the way of power instead of the way of the cross. So Jesus, show your power. Prove yourself to be the Son of God. Turn this rock into bread. Jesus, don't you want more power? Bow down to me and you can have authority over all the kingdoms in the whole world. Jesus, make God prove himself to, you, to us by showing his power at the temple. Throw yourself off the temple so we can see more of God's power. It's all about looking for proof in power and avoiding the cross. And that's where we also see the devil's temptation against us. Now in the Garden of Eden, Satan had tempted Eve saying, did God really say not to eat the fruit? Did God really say? Did God really mean what he said? That's how the devil first tempted, and it worked pretty well for him there. So he's been doing it ever since, to Jesus and still to us, bringing doubt to God's sure word. Having just heard the voice from heaven, this is my son at his baptism, Jesus is tempted by the devil. If, if you are the son of God, then prove it. Show me your power, Jesus. The devil's temptation toward Jesus is not to make some food, but it was to doubt God's word and promise. And if the devil tried to tempt the son of God to doubt God's word, we can bet that the devil will bring that same temptation to us and our families. He tempts us to doubt and turn us away from God and have us searching for evidence of God's love toward us and works of power. To Jesus it was, if you are the Son of God, then turn stones into bread. If, then. We use phrases like that all the time. If sets up the condition that brings doubt, then lays out what must be fulfilled to overcome the doubt. We know how this goes. If you really cared about your health, 
then you'll work out more and eat more vegetables. If you really like steak, then you won't put ketchup on it. If you really love me, then you will. If you really are a Christian, then you would. If God really loved you, wouldn't he then? And on it goes. If brings doubt and makes things conditional with then. If you claim this, then prove it with that. It's a coercive and manipulative way to talk. It's not the way of love. It's not the way of gift. But it's the way of control and a way to bring doubt. Parents don't talk to children that way, nor husbands to wives. Love is to be unconditional. No ifs. You only talk that way when you're trying to control someone. There were no if-thens from God to Jesus at his baptism. He simply said, you are my son, in you I am well pleased. No ifs, just certainty. But Satan brings an if to God's certain word. If you are the son of God, prove it with power. That's how the devil comes after you, too. Temptations to bring doubt to God's certain word toward us. There are no if-thens when it comes to God's love toward you, since that would leave something for us to do, something for you to prove to God. But when there's something for you to prove, that just brings doubt. Instead of doubt, we know that Jesus loves us and died for us. It is certain, it is certain that Jesus loves you because Jesus died. There's no ifs, nothing contingent upon you. Your sins are forgiven. No ifs. It's not like we give the absolution, I forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you do your end of the deal, it only brings doubt to your absolution. Your sins have been washed away in holy baptism. But we don't baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and then say your sins are forgiven if you go on throughout the rest of your life and really, really, really mean it in your heart and do all the perfect things and live life a certain way. If we make the Lord's gifts contingent on us, it only brings doubt. But the Lord speaks in certainties. Your sins are forgiven, period. Your sins are washed away. But to the Lord's certainty, the devil tempts with doubt. If God really loves you, says the devil, if God loves you, then why is he letting this tragedy happen to you or your children? If God really loves the world, as he says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, if he really loves the world, then why COVID? Why Hitler or Putin or any dictator? Why does he allow the evils of abortion? Why diabetes and all the other things that plague us? If God really loved, then he would use his power to end all that stuff that plagues the world and you. Just as easily as he could use power to turn a rock into a pretzel roll. 
I just had to pick my favorite particular bread item. Satan lures us away from God's word and instead points us to our own lives to look for evidence of his love. And that only brings doubt. If you really loved God, or if you really had faith, says the devil, then the sickness, the job loss, the suffering, the family dilemma, all that wouldn't be happening. So you must not be loving God enough, or he must not love you. Satan points you to yourself with if-thens, looking for proof of God and his love with works of power, but there's nothing there for you but doubt. Now, God certainly has power. Can he turn a rock into a snack? Certainly. But sins were not forgiven with God's power, but by God making himself weak for us. Weak enough to allow himself to be mocked and beaten. Weak and forced to carry his cross and carry on his bloody back the sins of the whole world. And weak enough to be nailed to a cross for sinners, by sinners. Jesus has power, but saves in weakness. And he continues to have that salvation delivered to us in the weakness of his word and his gifts, the lowly gifts of water, bread, and wine. Not in works of power or proof, but in the weakness of a spoken word, the proclamation of sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Faith does not come by works of power or by coercing with if-then conditions, but as we heard in our epistle reading, faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. Satan wants us to doubt the Lord's promises and look for evidence of God's love in places where God himself has never promised them to be. The devil would have us see the crosses of life and the cross of Jesus as evidence of God's lack of love. But it is precisely on his cross where his love is most evident. So our Lord turns us back to his word of promise, his certain word of all sins forgiven by his death, his promise that he loves us because he died for us, his promise to be with us in the midst of our suffering, just as he knew suffering for himself. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his only son to die for you. He abides with you today in the weakness of his faith-giving word. He puts his life into your death by his true body and blood. He puts his presence with you by his name given in holy baptism. When the devil brings his temptations to doubt, we are turned to our Lord's cross, to his sure and certain word of sins forgiven, shame covered, and guilt removed. And at that the devil flees. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand for prayer.